right, we're going to start today with Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, starting in verse 1. Paul writes in his letter to the church at Colossae, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. For you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to help me to, to preach your word today, God. Help my words to come forth that be your words, and that they would minister to people, that they would edify your church, that they would help all of us come into greater revelation and understanding of you, who you are, and who you say we are, and what you've created us for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in this passage here, uh, Paul is, he, he kind of goes through a series of some things where he's trying to just break down the idea that, the, that Christ has fulfilled the law and that we're not trying to uphold the law in order to earn our salvation, that Christ has paid the price for that. And he's, he's basically going through some things about, uh, you know, grace and what we have in Jesus and, and the work that he did on the cross. And then in this part of what we see as chapter three here, he goes into this explanation about keeping our mind set on things of above, or basically this concept of where our focus is. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is really the power of focus in your life. And so I would ask you a question as we begin is like, what are you focused on right now? If you were to think about your life and just the things that you're doing day in and day out, what would you say that you, your focus is aimed in the direction of? Because really our focus is somewhere. It's funny because my grandpa, he always makes a joke. He says, yeah, and I don't know, somebody else probably said this, but he says, you know, even whenever you're nowhere, you're actually really still somewhere. Huh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's true, yeah. So, you know, even if somebody is, is not necessarily focused in a direction on something, they're still, they're still going in some sort of direction with their mind, with their thoughts, with their actions. And, and that's, there's kind of this deeper level of focus that I think Paul is addressing here. He's not just talking about thoughts. He's talking about our thoughts, our desires, our affections, our heart, our actions. Like, what are we captivated by, guys? Like, what is it that's drawing and, and, and keeping our attention and our energy on a day-in and day-out basis? Now, if you look, obviously, at what we just read, you can see what Paul is doing is he's trying to really just hit the nail on the head. And he's saying, look, you've got to stay focused on things that are of above, on heavenly things, on godly things, on eternal things, and not let your, your focus be dominated by things of the world, trivial things, temporal things. Because they're always going to be competing for our time, our energy, our resources, and our attention. But God 
is after our full focus toward the things that he's created us for and the purpose that he wants us to live out in our lives. So what are you focused on? And it's true that we, we move in the direction of the thing that we're focused on. We make decisions based on things that we are focused on. What we see, what we're looking at, what we're paying attention to is what's influencing how we make a lot of decisions. For example, we were driving to Florida over this last week and it was through the middle of the night and everybody was sleeping in the car. Katie was driving and uh, all of a sudden we hear this, and everybody jumps up. I thought it was over. I thought it was like, this is the end, you know? Scared the daylights out of me. We jump up and she, she smoked the fox. Um, and so she obviously wasn't focused on the road and paying attention to where she was. No, but so. Yeah. So what, how, what, we're, what we're looking at, what we're focusing on has a lot to do with how we're making decisions. And I say that like in joking, but think about when you drive. Like you're paying attention to the road, to hopefully, <laughs> to what's going on. You know, if you get behind a truck that's got a trailer that's got a bunch of stuff on it, it doesn't look like it's tied down real good, what do you do? You kind of get around. You make a decision intentionally, but that decision is heavily driven by what it is that you're focused on, what you're paying attention to, what you're looking at. And Paul's trying to get this huge point across to us. He's trying to say, look, you need to be focused. Your chief sight, what you have your sight set on, has got to be God and his purposes and his plan for your life. Like that has to be the overarching thing that captivates you, that dominates your heart, your desires, your affections, and your attention. And if it does, if that's what's got a hold of your heart each and every day, that the little decisions that you have to make along the way, the choices, the turns, the things you do, they're all going to be influenced by what it is that you're looking at, what you're focused on, the things of a heavenly nature. But listen, guys, I found this out, that we can, people can love Jesus or they can, you know, be saved, but they can actually be focused on the things of the world and just kind of give heaven a nod every now and then, right? It's not their chief focus and their chief aim. It's just the reality we're human beings and the world we live in doesn't make this any easier today because distraction, the opposite of being focused is to be distracted, right? And, and, and the, we, we know today that we are inundated with information constantly and in a greater quantity than ever before. We are overstimulated as a people because of the way and the speed and the amount of information that's coming at us all the time. I don't know. I mean, these are the times we live in, but I know for a fact that God is not interested in us being distracted by all of these things in such a manner where it keeps our eyes off of him. You know, my grandpa, uh, my great-grandpa who's no longer with us, he used to do these like magic tricks and stuff. And he was really good at them. And when we were kids, it was so cool because you couldn't figure out, you know, he'd do this thing where he had this handkerchief and he'd poke a little hole in it 
and then he'd grab a quarter and he'd stuff the quarter in and he'd kind of like shake it up and he'd do all these things and then he'd pull the handkerchief out and it was gone. It was just like disappeared. And so I, we'd try to do it and we'd fling the quarter like all over the house. We think that he would, we thought he popped it so fast that it just went flying and nobody saw it. That didn't work. It bounced off the windows and that, that didn't go good. But what he was doing, and I'll just, this is revealing one of his tricks. I said, no, no, you know, but so he's just, he was, it was the art of misdirection, right? He would do these things with the handkerchief and you're looking when really the quarter was just over here. He never actually put it in the handkerchief. It looked like he did. It was this little slide of the hand, and it was there. And then you're focused on this thing over here when really it's over here where the quarter is. So it was misdirection. In the book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu, it's one of the greatest tactics and strategies that he suggests that generals use in warfare is the art of diversion, the art of misdirection. Send an infantry, send troops, send weapons, send things over here. Make it look like you're staging the front. Get the enemy's full attention on this other side, and then really you just slide in over here, and then you come in and surprise him with an attack that he's not looking for because he's misdirected. So I think the enemy is using the strategy of misdirection in our lives, in our world today, in in the lives of God's people, of his children, trying to get their attention off of focusing on heavenly things. I think the enemy loves it when people who love God, who say that they love Jesus, are, are just totally distracted and misdirected with all the things that are happening in the world. All the things that are of a temporal nature are dominating their desires, affections, attention. The enemy loves it. Because he's using misdirection to pull at us. And what is that doing? By default, if we're focused in the area of the world, we are not focused in the area of heavenly things. That's what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, listen, above all things, always, you've got to keep your focus habitually and constantly on things that are of a heavenly nature. What you focus on grows. I was reading this thing. I thought this was really interesting. We have, you know, we just got done with all the Olympics and stuff and, and all the games and love watching the Olympics. And they were saying that the study shows that bronze medalists are actually happier than silver medalists. It's really interesting, right? And they said the reason is because the bronze medalists are always focused on how they barely got in there or how they almost could have not placed and got a medal. And they are so thankful that they got and they got a medal to begin with. But the silver medalists are so focused on how they almost got the gold or could have won first that it creates this sense of displeasure or dissatisfaction. Katie knows a lot about the silver. I, you know, she's always upset. Just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm just having fun today. But the the, the reality is is is. What our focus is upon is going to grow. If we focus on problems and challenges, it ultimately tends to just magnify those problems and challenges. If we focus on the antidote of those challenges, which is a heavenly God who created us and has given us victory, if our focus is consumed by that which is over all of the other things that we have to deal with, then our decisions and our actions and all of that will flow out of us in a way that 
exemplifies the authority that we ought to be living with. Does that make sense? So distractions are key. And they say that, uh, like in business and stuff, that the successful man is really just the average man focused. When they study like successful entrepreneurs and all that, there's all kinds of different personalities. Not every entrepreneur is charismatic or charismatic or outgoing. They're not all very tech-minded and smart. There's a lot of different types of personalities that are all very successful in different areas. But what the most common denominator that studies show to successful entrepreneurs is their ability to stay focused. Very interesting for their ability to continue to stay focused and pursue the consistent thing which they're going toward and not allow the ongoing onslaught of distractions to constantly bombard them and take their focus away. In fact, they were saying that Warren Buffett, right, he decided early on in his career that there was no way he could make hundreds of right investment decisions over long periods of time. So he decided that he would narrow it down to just a few key investment decisions and focus all his time and effort and attention in those areas to make sure that he gave it his all. And over 80% of his wealth was actually accumulated from those few initial investment decisions that he made early on in his career. Pretty amazing, isn't it? The power of staying focused. And, and Jesus lived this example for us. Guys, so, I mean, we could see it in his life better than anybody when we talk about being focused on the heavenly things. Case in point, Jesus would go places and people would be pulling at his attention. Come here, go there. Even the apostles and the disciples, his friends who loved him, were trying to, hey, let's not go to Jerusalem because there's danger that awaits you. Hey, let me cut off this guy's ear so that they don't arrest you and take you away. But Jesus was always focused primarily on what the Father's will for him was, the purpose that it ultimately drove all the decisions that he made. It's what dictated when he did go to places and when he didn't go to places. It's what dictated all of the things that he did along the way. He was entirely focused on one thing, and that was what the Father's purpose for his life on earth was to be. And he accomplished his mission in full as a result of that. It takes incredible focus to go into things that potentially could be harmful for us, as Christ demonstrated. He went willingly into harm's way, knowing he was going to the cross, but because the power of focus of his mission was more powerful and overwhelmed any sense of danger or discomfort or things that would happen to him as a result of moving into that. Jesus lived it out. Think about some things that we want to make sure that we're very, that we know people are very focused about. I mean, if you wear glasses, okay, when you go shopping for a new pair of glasses, do you say, eh, they're pretty clear, they'll do. I can see okay through them, I'll take those. No, there's a huge difference in pretty clear and very clear, is there not? I mean, if you're gonna get on a bus and drive with a, a person who's a bus driver, are you gonna be cool with it if he's like, I can kinda see outside, I can kinda see what's going on through the windshield. I'm kinda focused on what's happening. 
you'd be like, dude, you need to be like really focused. <laughs> I mean, think if you're in a hostage situation and there's somebody's got you and there's a sniper on the roof getting ready to take the assailant out. Do you want the sniper to be kind of focused on what he's doing? He better be really focused before he pulls that trigger, right? I'm making some jokes here, guys, but listen, here's my point. I'm trying to exaggerate this. Why would something like our purpose and our destiny in our lives, why would we be any less serious about how focused we need to be in order to pursue and see that thing through? We want to be so focused. We, things need to be really focused in other areas of our lives that really are more of what, like he's talking about, a temporal and earthly nature. But sometimes we just need to get a hold of the revelation of the reality that we've got to be more focused, have more of our desire, affections, and attention given to the things that God has put us on this earth to achieve. What's his plan for our life? Let that dominate us and consume us so that all of the other things that we're busy about the business of doing fall in line and are influenced and shaped by the greater mission overall that we're focused on, which is what God's plan for us ought to be. Heavenly things. Amen. Think about um, a laser. A laser. A laser is basically focusing in an intense manner a lot of beams of light into a little bitty concentrated area. And because they're able to focus all of those beams of light into a small area, they can achieve two things. One, they can achieve enormous strength and power. A bunch of light rays going in a bunch of different directions does not achieve the kind of strength that one little bitty laser aimed in a single spot does because it's all focused in one area. And it also is able to be highly precise within millimeters or less in many cases that they can make incisions and surgeries or cut steel or different things with. So the power of focus, we can see it probably better than anything in, a, in the way a laser is done. And our lives, if they are focused in a direction of what God has created us for, do you understand there is strength and there is effectiveness, efficiency, precision in the things that God has created us to be on this earth to accomplish? And listen to this, in, in the book of Proverbs, I want to read here in chapter 4. He's, he's, he, to me, he's talking a lot about being focused here. He says, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and let your eyelids look right before you. He said, keep your head up and your eyes straight forward as it pertains to the things that you're living for. And Paul says it, he says, stay focused habitually on heavenly things, things that are above. What has God created me for? What has he gifted me for? What does he want to use me to do? How is he 
told me in his word to live, how not to live. These things ought to consume our attention, our desires, and our affections so much more than the trivial things that the world is constantly competing at our time, our attention, and energy for. And God's saying, listen, I have great things for you. You need to stay focused on me in order for you to have clarity, precision, and strength in walking those things out. Being focused is incredibly important over the long term, over the long term. You know, God's into processes. I believe this, that we see a lot in the Bible where things happen over periods of time, over seasons, and sometimes it feels like things are being delayed. But God is a lot more into the process that's happening than he is maybe some sort of instant kind of gratification or answer or response that we are looking to get. And since God is so into processes, it's very important for us to be focused and stay focused in order to see the processes through, in order for the thing that God is trying to do in us and through us to be accomplished and to be worked out, we can't be getting distracted and unfocused through the processes and be all over the place while it's going on. In the, in the book of Hebrews, it says, Therefore, this is chapter 12, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Another version, as opposed to looking unto Jesus, says staying focused on Jesus. So he's saying it's a race, a marathon. In the, in the course of life, one of the most important things, if we are going to see our purpose lived out, is to be focused on, stay focused on heavenly things and on Jesus all the time. And my kid is totally not focused right now on what's going on, and you're making me unfocused. And this is throwing me off. But being focused over the long run, Guys, I don't think we realize how significant of an impact this has. A lot of times what we do as people is we kind of overestimate what we can achieve in a day, but underestimate what we can achieve in a year if we stay focused. Isn't that true? Like, I mean, you know, you think, oh, and not that you can't get a lot done in a day, but if you're like me, I tend to over, I always overbook, I always overfill. It's a challenge. I know it leave me alone. No, I try to work on it, but it's, I overestimate what I can get done in a day, but I underestimate what I can really accomplish through the course of a year if I stay focused on something through that year. But did you know that that's one of the most difficult things for human beings to do is to stay focused on something for one year? Think about like New Year's resolutions and losing weight, you know, working out every day. How's that going for you? Right? I mean, it's like staying focused on something for a full year is incredibly difficult for us to do. Again, as I mentioned earlier, probably more so now, today, the world we live in, than ever before because of the plethora the of just stuff coming at us all the time. But being focused, guys, it doesn't just mean 
fixing our attention, desires, and efforts and energies in a direction of something. It also means being able to deter and, and uh, turn down or deny a lot of the other things that are constantly coming at us. And it's not just negative things. Worldly things aren't all like what we think when we think about it, like, oh, it's evil, it's sinful, like there's temptation in that and all these things. That's part of it. But, but worldly things, they're also things that could be good or they, they might seem like they could be helpful, but it, it, the basic breakdown of it, they're not necessarily God things. There's a difference in good things and God things. And we are all people. We have, you know, God's put us on here for specific mission and purpose, each and every one of us, which means there's things he didn't create us for. Like, I know this. I am not called to be everybody's pastor. I am not called to be a lot of things. And a lot of times there's good things that come and I'm like, oh, I want to do it. Oh, that sounds so great. Oh, that seems so good. And I'm just like, wait a minute, man. I got to step back. God. What am I on a mission for? What do you have me to do here? I need to be focused on you. I need to hear your voice. I need to know your wisdom. The Bible says his wisdom is available to us. So I need that. And I'm going to have to politely decline or avoid a lot of things, right? If I'm going to stay focused on the chief things that God is calling me to do with my life and my gifts. It's no different for any of us, right? There's a very big difference in being busy and being effective. Big difference. Let me ask you a question. I'm starting to wrap up here, but have you ever went through a day or a week or whatever, and you just been busy, 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 like, I mean, you're just going 100 miles an hour, and you get to the end of the day, you get to the end of the week, and you're like, I didn't get anything done. I didn't get... Really? You think about that. So you get to the end of the day or the end of the week. When are we getting uh, the older kids every week down there in class? Okay. Have you ever been, have you ever been through that? And you get to the end and you're like, man, I was so busy, but I didn't get anything done. Anybody besides me? Like busy, 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 busy. Nothing gets accomplished. There's a huge difference it, oh, I'm, a lot of people are, yeah, I see. Okay, so you can relate with that. There's a big difference in, in being busy and being effective. And I love the way Benjamin Franklin put it. He said that motion is not to be confused with action. So here's the point. We can live our whole lives, our whole lives, 100 years, whatever, busy and accomplish a fraction, a dot of what God has really put us on this earth to do, of what he's really created us to live for. We could be focused entirely on all the wrong things the whole way through and very minimally scratch the surface of what God put in us when it talks about it. He knew us in our mother's womb and he was forming our inward parts and he was shaping our purpose and our destiny. The things that God was putting into that, that we've got to stay, but Paul's saying, you got to stay focused habitually on heavenly things, on Jesus and on things of above. If you're going to live day in and day out, walking according to the divine 
purpose of the Lord and what he's created you for. And I don't know about you, but that kind of like puts me into a place where I'm desperate for Jesus. Like I want his plan for my life to unfold. That's really what I want. But I know that I am desperate for him if that is going to happen. I can't figure it out on my own. I don't have the strength to do it, the wisdom, the know-how, the gifts. I don't have any of that in me. But if I stay focused on him, on the big picture, then I know that it'll set all of the other things in order for me along the way. That my day in, day out decisions and choices, what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go, all that. I want it to be influenced by God. I want it to be saturated with the idea of heavenly things are affecting what is happening in this area right here in my life. I like to look out the window in the fields and watch the wildlife through my binoculars. And a lot of times there's deer, you know, 300, 400 yards away. And I'm like, I want to count the points on their antlers. I want to look at something very, very small and precise and fine. So when I pick up the binoculars, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this. What you have to do is you first have to kind of get the big picture in view. You got to look and you got to kind of point it in the right direction. You got to see the big landscape behind you and you got to kind of focus in on the larger mass. And then there's these little fine tuning adjustments that start to kind of really get dialed in. So you can't just look at something 300 yards away like a deer's antlers right when you pick up the binoculars necessarily. You've got to focus on the bigger picture and then you can kind of dial in. And I think this is what Paul's saying, guys. I think he's saying, look, you, you have these things in your life like jobs and careers and you know, where you live and, and how you're going to do things in your family and all these things, relationships. You've got all these things going on. But here's the point. Get the bigger picture in focus first. Look at the larger thing that's going on, which is God's in control. He's created me for a plan uniquely fashioned for a destiny to fulfill something on this earth no other human being in the history of creation is created to do. Let me get the big picture in focus. Get a sense and a revelation of God's empowering grace and strength. And then let me begin to make the finer and more detailed adjustments in my life day to day as I live. Do you get that? Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. And I just, I just want to ask you, you know, do you feel like perhaps that you're just, you're busy, you're just busy to the point of like, wore out, exhausted, drained, like, you know, you're going day in and day out all the time. But if you really had to step back and say, am I really being effective in the will of God for my life? That, that maybe you don't feel that way. You've been busy but not effective. What are you focused on? Or maybe a second situation could be that you're just focused entirely on the wrong things. And this is the reality that the enemy is trying to distract us.
us. He's trying to tempt us with seemingly pleasurable things that have really no eternal value, fulfillment in them. And he would love for us to be inundated and consumed to our time to be fully devoted to all of the things that are really of just an earthly nature. Are you busy but not effective or are you focused entirely on the wrong things? Does that scratch something in your soul? If it does, listen, just turn it over to God. Just surrender it to Him. Let this be a beginning point. Let this be a fresh start for you today. Let this be like a resetting of the focus of your life, of what's important. Let this be like a recalibrating, aiming in a, in, a, in a direction that you're really created to be aimed in all the time. I believe that if we come to God boldly, knowing that he'll do that for us, that he will respond. He will begin to give us clarity. He will begin to give us strength. And as we do that each and every day, I encourage you, step back. Look at the bigger picture in your life. Be mindful of the fact that God, of heavenly things and of what God is wanting to do in and through you. Let there not be a number of days ahead that which you would say, I don't know that I ever focused on a heavenly thing today. You know, I went through the whole day. I don't know if I even really considered God or my destiny or my purpose. Let there be no days like that ahead for you. Let God captivate your desires and your heart and your attention, your affections. Let him shape and influence your mind and your decisions and your actions. He will do that. He wants to do that for us. We're incapable, apart from him, of walking this out. Amen.